Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to another episode of Able Ed. I am your host Joseph Lacombe and if you are returning I'm guessing you've liked the show. Uh, on this episode we take a look at different campus clubs. Uh, first we look at clubs that advocate for the IDD community. Then we discuss importance of student involvement in clubs and how they can greatly improve college experience for the IDD population. We're also going to sit down with a few people that are in these clubs and uh, try to interview them as best as we can. First, let's talk about clubs that raise awareness, serve as allies, or educate the college community about the IDD community. Let's talk about Best Buddies. In 1987, Best Buddies was founded at Georgetown University by Anthony Kennedy Shriver. Best Buddies has a four-mission pillar, uh, one-on-one friendships, integrated employment, leadership development, and inclusive living for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. There are chapters in all 50 states and in 53 different countries. I was mentored by Best Buddies myself when I was a student and um, had some really great times with the people that I got to meet and other students that were part of these programs they're the best buddies as well and um, one of my favorite times was going to prom there was a little bit over 3,000 people there and they uh, they gave us a chance to do karaoke and that's uh, one of my funner experiences to do outside of uh, just about anywhere and it was actually the most people (laughs) I've ever performed in front of so that was a great experience as well my best buddy's name was Megan. Um, I can't remember her last name off the bat, but she was just a really nice person. She was a she was a freshman when I was, uh, I think, as I was graduating from the university. Um, a lot of the times, because uh, she was a, she was a mentor here as well. She uh, she would have lunch with me sometimes and. Uh, she took me to a couple of my classes a couple of times and I believe she's still working with best buddies if she's not working with best buddies I know that she still works with uh, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities Um, another one of these programs that I want to talk about is uh, advocates for autism the goals they have there are to raise awareness and educate people on autism and individuals on the uh, spectrum. It is, it's a welcome space for individuals with autism and their allies. Uh, they run fundraisers for local families to provide them with resources and support. April is Autism Awareness Month. 
they do a lot of events and fundraisers for autism. Another another program I want to talk about is CARE. CARE stands for Creating Accessibility, Respect, and Education. CARE is a new club started this year. Members join different communities to tackle issues of inclusion, accessibility, respect, and education on campus. Also, if you're a a mentor for the future program at the University of Tennessee, you automatically become a, uh, a member of CARE. Now I'm going to talk about other campus clubs and why it's so important for them to be inclusive for everyone. Inclusion on college campuses need to go beyond the classroom. Joining clubs provides a greater sense of belonging at your university. It gives you community and friendships. Studies have shown that involvement in clubs has been proven to positively affect psychosocial aspects of the college experience like educational involvement, career planning, and academic autonomy. Super important for students with intellectual and developmental disabilities. A few of the students from the Future Program have actually participated in other clubs uh, such as SGA. Hunter is in SGA. Other students have participated in things like journalism club, swim club, and young life. And the goal with the Future Program is to help these students with independence and job placement and just to open up to other people and to make new friends within their community and kind of like breaking them out of their shell per se. Like all these different clubs that we do have um, from best buddies to care, etc. Like I think they help a lot. I know that as a student five years ago it it helps me quite a bit to meet new people and get out of my shell and to just have more of a good time than than I w- had already been having. But I think that I think that like my experience with conversating with people definitely expanded. I've always believe it or believe it or not hosting a hosting a podcast. I'm actually a uh, I can be a super shy person and that actually uh, being a part of Best Buddies helped me to break away from uh, the super shy Joe that it was. Um, I mean, like being part of the Future Program and stuff like that helped that a lot, but um, being a part of Best Buddies, that was something that helped me with uh, being shy and that was something that helped me with my... um, like being able to meet more people and becoming the individual that I am today. I'm sitting here with a future mentor and the creator of CARE, Natalie Campbell. Uh, 
Natalie, give us a little background into how you became involved in working with and becoming an advocate for the IDD community. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me today, Joe. It's great to be able to to sit down with you. Um, so how I how I became involved, um, it was really through my family. So my younger sister, Olivia, has Down syndrome, and she's two years younger than me. And so I was always really involved in her life growing up. We were just super close, had a really great relationship. Um, and so with that, I got to see a lot of the benefits of just having someone who's different from you in your life and I got to see what it was what it was like to be part of this you know down syndrome community and even the larger disability community in certain ways Um, but I also saw a lot of the ways in which Olivia was not getting the same things I was getting and it was pretty apparent you know we had all of these other things about us that were the same you know we had the same parents we grew up in the same house we went to the same schools we lived in the same community Um, But there were certain things that I got and she didn't or vice versa uh, that seemed to be only because she had Down syndrome and I did not. And so that was just very, um, it was very upfront and obvious to me growing up that there were a lot of needs in this community and they were needs that Olivia identified first and then I could follow her in that lead. And I think that has really animated my entire life. time advocating. I, I don't think I'm old enough enough to yet to say career. Um, but, you know, and then I also grew up just hearing my parents talk a lot about how um, Olivia was or was not getting something and why something should be different. And so I just really grew up around advocacy and I was able to watch my mom uh, really spearhead a lot of what Olivia has now. And so that was really impactful for me as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how um, that's kind of, it kind of reminds me of how I grew up. I grew up with epilepsy and I've been on both sides working with people that have had intellectual disabilities. And it started, it started with my family seeing me grow up with epilepsy and, uh, one of my classmates having epilepsy as well. And kind of knowing the, uh, the background and how to deal with that myself, mm-hmm. um, that's that's great to hear that you and your sister had such a connection and you uh see i don't want to use the word learn i don't want to use the like learn to deal with it i don't i, I don't know if that sounds bad but like no, I, I um, get what you're saying yeah you just kind of learn that different life experience yeah, yeah 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 um in your own words what is what is care and what is the club's purpose So CARE stands for Creating Accessibility, Respect, and Education. And I kind of, I got the idea for CARE um, really through being a peer mentor and my involvement in student government. So I, I was kind of serving as the bridge between future and SGA and future and access to upper administration at the university. And I was worried that when I left the university that that bridge would just be lost or maybe it wouldn't be as strong and I didn't want to have to wait for someone else to come in and kind of rebuild that because you know students are in a really unique position students are able to do things that faculty and staff can't always do Um, and when you have that student perspective and you say you know students want this students advocate for this 
it's pretty hefty. And that's what I learned, um, you know, in my first two years here. And so it was really spring semester of sophomore year. Um, I wanted to do an accessibility report that looked at not only the physical accessibility of campus, but also the kind of cultural accessibility of campus. You know, what did people know about disability? What was their experience with disability? What did they think about disability? You know, do they know that students with intellectual disabilities are on this campus taking the same classes, getting jobs, getting married? Um, you know, what do we know and what do we need to learn? And I, I realized when I was having all of these big thoughts that I was one individual and I could not possibly do all of this myself and I didn't want to. I really wanted to create a structure that could exist without me so that it would exist after me. And so that was where, um, and I talked a lot with um, Sarah who just graduated from Future and um, she and I, really bounced a lot of ideas off of each other about what this would need to look like. Um, and Sarah had just a great perspective. Um, she used a wheelchair around campus um, and, and she knew a lot about kind of how do we prioritize the needs on campus, which was something I needed a lot of help with from her. Um, and then we've also included a lot of other individuals, uh, you know, some who get services from student disability services, others who aren't getting services from SDS and kind of why, um, but people with and without disabilities, all kinds of disabilities are represented, not only in the member of care, like the membership of care, but also on the executive board. And I think that's really important. Um, <clears throat> and so the purpose of care is to kind of be this organization that is both broad in coverage. So, you know, we have things like Advocates for Autism that is an amazing organization and I love how specific it is. And I think there's a need for that specificity. And I also think there's a need for kind of some more general um, things as well. And so that I wanted CARE to kind of serve as the balance to that. Um, and then we had another great organization like Best Buddies that was really this kind of social piece um, really this kind of, you know, social inclusivity piece, which is, again, so vital. Um, and I wanted something that was a little more advocacy-based, a little more policy or initiative-oriented. And then we felt like accessibility, respect, and education were the three main needs of this campus. And um, that was kind of how we created it. And so we want CARE to be an advocacy organization that doesn't advocate for people with disabilities, but advocates alongside people with disabilities for greater campus accessibility and inclusion. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, I think you already did this within uh, a little bit of the last question, but tell us a little bit about the uh, different committees people can join and care. Yeah. So we've kind of um, organized the different initiatives and needs in different committees. Um, we felt like that was an easy way for people to kind of funnel their interest and funnel the needs of our university. And so we have a lot of different committees, um, things that range from physical accessibility. So we do these things called physical accessibility projects where um, the committee identifies a certain area of campus. Um, so like one time they did bathrooms, uh, right now they're looking at classrooms and they choose different classrooms or bathrooms or whatever other area across campus, um, a limited number. It's, it's a limited scope because we want to make sure that it's done well. Um, and they just kind of use the ADA guidelines that are super accessible to everyone. You can just Google them. Um, and they do some measurements and they look at accessibility. And it's really important for us that we're highlighting what the university is doing well and where the university can improve. So we don't want it to just be this, you know, UT, you're doing everything wrong because that's not the truth. Um, UT is doing a lot well 
and they also have a lot of areas to grow in. Um, so that's one. Another one is campus climate. So kind of getting at that like cultural accessibility and inclusion piece. Um, so looking at, and that one, I will say that one's been a little tougher to get off the ground. You know, how do we start to man, uh, you know, measure campus climate. Um, but that's one. Another one is FYS module creation and maintenance. So every student at UT has to take this first year studies 100 class. It's this um, online kind of um, series of modules that you go through to teach you about, um, you know, safety and alcohol and diversity and kind of how you do student life at UT. Um, it's full of a lot of great resources. And we want to make sure that disability awareness is one of those resources and one of those education modules that's included in there. So we're working closely with the first year studies office, trying to really build that relationship with them. Um, another one is, let's see, research. So uh, we have some students who engage in research on a variety of topics relating to post-secondary ed programs. Um, lots of different things like that. Right now they're working on a housing project. So looking at, you know, asking people with disabilities, students in our future program themselves, how do you want to live? How do you want to live when you graduate? Lots of different committees like that. We have a couple others. Um, but I think they're a nice way of funneling interest. And I think they're pretty flexible to whatever that particular group of students is interested in that semester. I've, I've heard a little bit about the, uh, the, the housing and like, it's, it's a big step for, um, for a program that started, uh, I think it was eight years ago, and I was a part of the, uh, I was a part of the second class, and we really like, there was, uh, as far as I know, no, like there may have been thoughts of that idea, but the idea never necessarily come up, and now I know the idea is definitely uh, a stronger thought and uh, something that a few of the students have actually. Uh, are being looked into for, yeah. which is definitely great to have that idea of being able to live on campus and uh, go to your classes from there or go come over to the future building and then work your way from there. Either way, it uh, sounds like a plan to me and it gives them that, uh, that strong ability of independence. Definitely, definitely. What kind of progress have the committees made since uh, the founding of CARE? And in the upcoming years, how would you like to see CARE impact the university? So we, uh, this is really, we did kind of a trial semester. Uh, we do our projects by semesters typically um, because we have a lot of help from the Counseling 333 class. So a little plug for that. Um, you get to learn a lot about service learning. You get to learn about, um, you know, the, the IDD population and you get to volunteer with Future and you get to work on some of these projects. So it's super cool. Um, we did kind of a trial one uh spring of 2018 and now we're doing a full-blown um all of the committees have projects so this is the first semester um that we're kind of doing it so the progress i think is going to be great um and where we're moving in the forward years we each each year we want to be able to produce a campus accessibility report that's the combination of all of the committee's work we want to be able to take that report to ut administration and say hey this is what you're doing really well this is where we can improve this is how we can improve that's going to be low cost to you and high benefit to us so it's all very strategic and our job is to make whatever administrator we're talking to our job is to make their yes as easy as possible and so that's the perspective that we bring um, we i am hoping so i also serve as the chief of 
of Staff and the Student Government Association. And so we are hoping to establish a commission on disability. I am hoping to establish a commission on disability. And I've, I've had some conversations with um, our, our interim vice chancellor for diversity and engagement, Tyvee Small, about this. And, um, you know, it's we have to wait for a couple of things to fall into place. Uh, but Tyvee has shown a lot of commitment to making sure that disability is included in these diversity conversations. And so that's something that's really encouraging to me. And so I think that CARE is going to have a really great impact in the coming years because we're going to have structures like these projects, like the Accessibility Report, hopefully like the Commission on Disability, to really sustain this work in a way that it doesn't rely on an individual. It's only enhanced by the individuals who come to contribute to it. All right. What improvements do you think universities as a whole can make to create inclusive learning environments? That's a, a great question. Um, you know, the inclusive post-secondary education movement is really s sweeping the nation in a lot of ways. Um, and there are a lot of colleges and universities who are embracing these programs. And there are a lot of colleges and universities who might not know where to start with these programs. And I think that's a totally valid concern. Um, you know, only 10 years ago were people with intellectual disabilities even allowed to be on college campuses by federal law. And so I think it's really exciting to be on the forefront of that. And I would encourage other universities to look at this as an opportunity to really make themselves unique and the kind of diversity that they have on their campus. And of course, that's in the case of intellectual disability. I would also say with other types of disabilities, I think it's going to be something really important. And it's something that I'd like to see the University of Tennessee move towards, but kind of creating an index of you know the accessibility of different campuses. We have a lot of different Princeton reviews for a lot of other um, kind of aspects or features of a university, and I think disability inclusivity should be one of those. And so kind of what are those metrics that we would look to see? What are students with disabilities looking for in their own universities? And then how are universities able to meet those needs? Um, I think also a big thing that universities can do is, is educate, which is their purpose, to educate. And they need to be educating about disability by including people with disabilities in those education modules. <clears throat> I think a lot of times when we look at the history, especially with the intellectual disability movement, people with intellectual disabilities have had to rely on people outside of their community, people without disabilities, to make progress or opportunity for them. And I think that's why we get it wrong a lot of the times. I think that's why we see, you know, not getting civil rights until 1973. Um, you know, I think that can account for a lot of our delayed progress. And we just can't afford to do that anymore. No. People with intellectual disabilities need to be part of that conversation from the very beginning. 100% agree. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be um, a vast improvement. And, and I will say, you know, for universities who are thinking about doing a program like this, inclusive education shows to benefit students without and students with intellectual disabilities, both vastly. You improve critical thinking skills. You improve, you know, the breadth that your students are going to see the world in. The world is becoming inclusive. And if you want to be a relevant university, you need to prepare your students for that changing world. And this is how you do it. I, I honestly, I don't think I could have said that better myself. Um, along those same lines, what advice do you have for people who want to advo uh, advocate for the um, the IDD community? I think my first piece of advice would be, you know, thinking about what does it mean to advocate for something, but especially for someone. Um, we're talking about people here, people's lives. And I don't think you should advocate for people. I think you should advocate alongside the people that you're trying to advocate about, I guess. Um, 
we have to be sure that everything we do is taken from individuals themselves. And sometimes there are situations where you might have, you know, a young child who maybe can't express their needs in the same way that an adult may be able to. Um, You have different situations like that where you have to exercise some of your own judgment. Um, But I think you have to do that from a position where you are trying to embrace this community. You're trying to understand it. You're trying to spend time in it with people who are in it firsthand to really understand the needs. I didn't do any. So I started advocacy work when I was 13. I did that in my middle school and my high school, all based off of what I saw Olivia and her peers need. I didn't start any advocacy at UT or for future until I served as a peer mentor here for a year. And that was very intentional on my part because while I understood one aspect of the IDD community, I didn't understand this unique context yet. And I did not want to do anything, excuse me, or insert myself in any way until I was really able to understand the context that this program was sitting in. Because if you don't understand the context, you're going to mess it up. Do you have any events or meetings coming up that you want people to know about? Yeah. So, um, you know, we don't have a ton of events and a lot of our, excuse me, I have a a raspy throat this morning, Um, but we don't do a lot of events um, and we really don't have a ton of meetings. This, this organization really kind of runs itself a lot through that counseling class. Um, But that's going to be something that we kick up a lot next year. So what I would say is watch out for our social media. It's probably going to be like UTK Care or or Care UTK, something like that. Um, We've really just kind of tried to get the structure under our feet this semester. I just said feats, plural. Uh, <laughs> trying to get the structure under our feet this semester and then kind of next year move towards more of, uh, you know, publicizing the organization a lot. I think that's also going to be a great way to get more peer mentors. So all of our peer mentors are actually in CARE. It's a great relationship that we have, uh, but CARE is not a future organization. CARE is a student organization that partners with future um, we partner with other disability organizations and are trying to, you know, better those partnerships. So I would just say yes, but not specifically. So just be on the lookout and uh, we'll be we'll be sure to let you know. Natalie, thank you for coming out and just taking the time to tell us a little bit about CARE and uh, thank you. Joe, I appreciate it so much to have the opportunity. I think this podcast is amazing. I think you're bringing a lot of great awareness uh, to a lot of great topics. So Really, I'm really honored to be here this morning. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Of course. All right. I am sitting here now with the president of Best Buddies, Lexi Vaughn. Lexi, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Um, Give us a little background into how you began to work with um, the IDD community and then getting the position of uh, president of Best Buddies UT chapter so yeah I have been around like the disability population my whole life Um, various family family members um, were special education teachers my sister-in-law is actually the president of or vice president of um, Special Olympics in North Carolina and my parent my parents own a restaurant where they have like a transition to work program with a high school Um, so I've always been around it Um, so with that like I knew I wanted to be a peer mentor in high school Um, but coming in, going into being a peer mentor, I definitely had the mentality that 
we were different, like people with disabilities and people that didn't. Um, and I had more of like a caregiver aspect or like that's what I thought I was going to be. Um, but like being in that class, like I really learned that like people with and without disabilities are like little to no different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like became really frustrated with how society portrays that there is a difference. Um, and I also like this is why I wanted to be a special ed teacher and later why I decided to be president of Best Buddies, um, that there was really, like, well, at least in my class, there wasn't a lot of, like, supports or opportunities for people with disabilities to be able to transition into the real world or, like, get the opportunity to show they are not different. Um, So that's kind of, like, where my biggest passions lie, like, going into being a teacher and an advocate for people with disabilities is I'm really big on inclusion and independence and integrated employment. Um, So that's why I decided to become president of Best Buddies to play a small or like hopefully large for some people, um, making that a reality for students here. It's uh, definitely from what I can remember, it's definitely a large role to take on and it it means so much to anybody that attends Best Buddies, so definitely know that it is a large, uh, it's a large step and a large jump. Thank you, that means a lot. Um, Tell us about some of your favorite fundraiser events and uh, buddy events that you have been a part of. So for sure, my favorite event is Spread the Word to End the Word Day. Um, I feel that, like, for an advocate for special education and inclusion and the disability population, it's important that we are not, like, people without disabilities are not the only people advocating for people with disabilities or not to say the R word. Um, I think it should be the students as well, like, self-advocation. I love that event because it really allows people with disabilities to use their form of communication to tell others why, like, the R word's not okay to say. Um, so, like, it's a really special day for me because we all are out on Ped Walkway, like, all, like, for the same cause, like, telling people why. But, like, I think it's also really special for people that maybe weren't aware that the R word is actually really hurtful. So, like, they get educated on why and, like, they get to see it from, like, first, like, place, like, who's saying it, like, people with disabilities saying, like, why it's not okay. And I feel like that's so much more meaningful. Absolutely. A bigger impact and a bigger touch there. Um, what has been the what has been the best part of being involved with Best Buddies? So I think like the largest thing that like I've been really impressed with and like what I love being a part of Best Buddies, um, I th- I think that it gives a huge platform to me and like to all the people involved. Um, so Best Buddies is a huge international organization that gives opportunities to people with and without disabilities that may have not gotten the experience otherwise. Um, For example, attending events with like same age peers, getting the opportunity to learn how to maintain friendships, and getting an opportunity to spread the mission of inclusion. Um, Best Buddies was not a huge thing like where I'm from in like super east Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it is in a lot of other places. I know it's like huge in Nashville and like some other places. But so it's been really cool to see how excited people get when they find out like UT has a Best Buddies chapter. I know we've recruited a few people like just walking like down Ped Walkway in a Best Buddies shirt and someone's like oh my gosh there's a Best Buddies chapter here. We're like yeah like get involved. Um, But also like 
when it comes to fundraising, like, I've been so impressed on how much money people want to donate or, like, even just the amount of people that want to donate because they hear about Best Buddies. And so, like, in all those aspects, it's been a really great experience for me. As well as well as it was for me when I was uh, when I was a student and when I was a part of Best Buddies and um, earlier on I had wasn't able to remember uh, my Best Buddies name but it's actually now coming to me. Her name was uh, Megan Thomas and I believe that she's still working with uh, uh, people with intellectual and developmental disability. Yeah, her name sounds super familiar to me. So I think she does. Um, what do you think people involved with uh, Best Buddies gain from their experience? Um, biggest thing, friendship. I think I'd for sure be fired as president if I didn't say friendship. Um, but here at UT, our main goal is to create lasting and meaningful friendships with peers our own age. Um, I think oftentimes people with disabilities have the skills to meet people and make friends, but it seems like the maintenance of the friendship is the hardest part. Um, I think it's mostly because people with disabilities are often around people like not their own age or their parents or like people that are authoritative figures toward them, like whatever. But I think being a part of Best Buddies, you get to learn how to be a friend on both sides, which is really important because friendship isn't a one-sided thing and it definitely takes both sides to keep a friendship. I know, I know uh, someone that I had met that was, uh, that was a participant of Best Buddies. Um, he had harder times communicating with people, and um, when I saw when I saw him in the Best Buddies program, his he came out of his shell and opened up like it, it was like you would have never seen. It was like it was like a butterfly coming out of the cocoon for the first time. That's so awesome! So amazing to see. Yeah, that's like really what we want. Like. That's, like, what I hope can happen. I, I feel like in that situation, he just, like, wasn't given the opportunity or, like, had a hard time communicating so people didn't give him the chance. But, like, yeah. when you do, like... It was it was definitely it was definitely great to see. Yeah. Um, what are some misconceptions that you've seen on campus when trying to advocate for the IDD community? I think the biggest misconception conception for advocating people with disabilities is just in general people really view them as being different um like I said I did earlier on in my life um I think at this point in the world though it's so important for people that are educated on the matter and that are advocates for the disability population that people with disabilities to advocate for inclusion to the best of our abilities um I think it's really sad that we have to prove to people that people with disabilities are different but in reality that's like just how it is sometimes um so it's important to get out in the community and show that um they are like we are contributing citizens how do you think universities can improve on their inclusion efforts so i think ut is definitely heading in the right direction um but i think the best thing that ut can do is allow future students to live on campus um i actually went to coastal carolina my freshman year um, where the students in the LIFE program, which is like the future program, but it's called LIFE there, um, they lived on campus, um, which allowed students who didn't live in the area to go to college there. Like I know here we can only promote to like a small range of people, but they're like, I know some students came from like two hours away or like wherever and like were able to have the college experience as well. 
Um, so it promoted inclusion because there was zero difference between the live students and their peers. Um, they went to class on campus, they lived on campus, they ate on campus, they could do any organization on campus. Um, this would be really beneficial for the future students because they could live their life independently and not like wait for a parent to drop them off or like stay in the routine that they've been in for like how many years, like 18, 21 years. Yeah. Um, I think that like would be the icing on the cake for like students to get the full college experience and that like that would give you the independent skills and everything else like going into the real world because like I know personally for me someone without a disability like going to college like yeah I even like learned independent skills and like feel way more prepared going into the real world. How would you like to see Best Buddies grow in the upcoming years? This has been a goal for me and our chapter as long as I've been involved, um, but I would really just love to see a more diverse population get involved with Best Buddies. In the past, we've had a lot of female education, TR, speech path, child family study majors join Best Buddies, which is like awesome because we know they're like 100% in the organization for the right reasons. They use person first language and they're just like awesome people. Obviously, like they're in great majors, but um, it's sad sometimes because we can't match the students with disabilities with a person that um, may have a lot in common with. With more people that getting involved, it allows us to match people based on likes and dislikes, gender, schedule, whatever, which allows a more genuine and natural friendship. I hope that's something that the future Best Buddy leadership continues to keep in mind. I know like this year we've had a few people join that are like in those di like diverse um, populations that I talked about and like just the friendships that we may like flourish. Like I have one student in mind that every year got, he's a boy, he got put with a girl and it just wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't bad. Like they definitely like talked, like had good times, but like nothing big came out of it other than like a one or two year friendship. And like we made a friendship this year that I like truly think like will be a lifetime friendship. Is there anything else you would like people to know about Best Buddies? Um, so a cool aspect about Best Buddies that I don't think people, at least at UT, really know about is that it's not just bound to schools, universities. Um, they actually have four main pillars in their mission, which are one-to-one -one friendships, leadership opportunities, integrated employment, and assisted independent living. Um, in college, we really focus on the one-to-one -one friendships. But if you were to join a Best Buddy Citizens program, you'd get to ex experience the benefits of the other pillars as well. Um, I know Knoxville doesn't currently have a Citizens program. I know Nashville does um, and Memphis does. But hopefully with fundraisers and just like us like spreading the mission that Knoxville would be able to open one soon. That's really great. Um, Lexi, thank you so much for uh, joining us on Able Ed and for taking the time out of your day to come and be interviewed. Thank you. Natalie Campbell is a junior studying disability studies as well as legal and political philosophy through the College Scholars Program. She is currently the SGA Chief of Staff and is a 
candidate for student body president. Lexi Vaughn is a senior studying special education. And now I bring to you my quote of the day. Um, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Albert Einstein. I chose that quote of the day because I grew up with epilepsy and um, March uh, includes epilepsy awareness. Um, the biggest reason why I actually chose a quote by Albert Einstein was that Albert Einstein um, actually had epilepsy and it's always been it's always been such a big thing to me is the more the awareness that we have out there and uh, there's multiple different like pages and clubs on Facebook that you can join and uh, knowing that there's more people out there that are willing to talk about having epilepsy and that I have talked to and they've had more people talk to me and thanking me for the words that I throw out there. It makes me feel really good because I like telling people about my story and especially when I've gone so long without having a seizure. As of February 2nd, it was, uh, it was 16 years for me. And I feel it, I've felt reaching out to people not to gather pity upon myself, but to reach out to people and help other people out and to talk to them about epilepsy and one of the biggest things that I've always told people is be aware not scared because if you if you fear something I believe that's when the worst can happen and it's the same for epilepsy if you if you fear it it gives it much more of a chance to rise up Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes the third episode of Able Ed. Again, if you have continued joining us, we thank you very much. We would also like to send a special thanks to The Beacon, uh, the University of Tennessee student-run newspaper and media group that helped us with the recording and editing of this episode. The podcast was written and edited by myself and Meredith Abercrombie. Our theme song is titled Cherry, Cheery Monday and was created by Kevin McLeod and licensed under Creative Commons. Mm -hmm.